1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Stack in the Box College Football Edition. I'm your host, Reed Wallach. Joined, as always, every Wednesday afternoon, it's Cody Williams. You can follow Cody on Twitter, at TheSizzle20. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. Cody,
2: what's going on, man? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, man. Uh, I'm excited, you know, it's the home stretch. We're getting close to figuring out uh, what these conference championship matchups are gonna be, a little bit more about what the playoffs gonna look like, and, you know, it's the best time of year, man. No, no yeah, I I think compared I, off the top of my head, compared to
1: last year, it seems like the conference races are a little bit more defined and we kind of know who's going to be in there. And there's a little less like uh, chaos on the way. Uh, maybe college football playoffs a little bit different, but I feel like conference wise, it seems a little bit more like there's like three teams really gunning for mm-hmm. these final two spots, maybe even less. And that's kind of just how. Like there's less like, oh, there's like five teams going and we have to figure a lot out. Most of the conferences seem like they've kind of figured themselves out. College football playoff, though, I was going through last night, like when the rankings and we're going to get into that a second, but like who could really make it? And I think we're like, there's a lot. Less things going on then I think People like last year It was like Well Alabama should get in TCU uh, Are they going to get in if they went out and then they obviously Lose and still fall backwards into it mm-hmm. But to me this year Six Teams seven teams could Like act are like legitimately Going to end up with a, a Case like it's, it's going to be Much more binary than uh, I think we Had expected given last year's chaos
2: I think – I mean, I think it goes to eight teams. I think you got – because you got to include Alabama, who's in at number eight in the latest rankings. Like, you've got to include yeah. them still alive in the mix. And I think, like, all eight of those are alive. You could even argue nine if you want to include Louisville because, I mean, if they went out, which I know the rest of their regular season schedule wasn't great, but if they went out and then beat Florida State in the ACC championship, that's a one-loss conference champion. They're going to have a case. I don't know if the mm-hmm. committee would put them in, but that's a case.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get into the college football playoff ranking. Second reveal last night in the made-for-TV style event. Uh, Again, this isn't really predictive of anything. It's still very early in the process. There's still three more regular season games, conference championship week. But going from, let's call it 11, like you just mentioned, but Louisville is 11th, Penn State 10th, Ole Miss 9th, Alabama 8th, Texas 7th, Oregon 6th, Washington 5th. Florida State fourth, Michigan three, Georgia is second, and Ohio State is number one again, despite really struggling to pull away from Rutgers. There, uh, Cody, what was your biggest takeaway from this one? And then I could kind of tie up uh, my thought on how many teams I really think could actually make it.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think I start with I thought Georgia was going to leapfrog Ohio State. I was in that in that camp. I feel like it was a pretty split camp coming into the reveal of whether or not that would happen. I thought they deserved it because, you know, you look at last week and we, we, what we talked about was that it seemed like the committee was looking at Ohio State and saying, OK, they had the two best wins. So they very clearly deserve to be number one. Well, now Georgia beats a Missouri team that even after this loss, they still only drop Missouri down two spots to number 14. So they clearly respect this Missouri team. And then Notre Dame loses its third game of the season. And so that weakens that win for Ohio State. So I just thought it was like between eye test and resume, I thought that the committee would, you know, have Georgia go ahead Ohio State. And I thought it was a deserving decision. You know, I thought that was the right decision. And to see that not happening, I'm curious as to what the committee is seeing in Ohio State that I'm not. Because, I mean, yes, the final score of that Ohio State Rutgers game is 35 to 16. But that was a legitimate upset bid for three quarters, I would say. And Ohio State's offense until they just started Force feeding Travion Henderson really didn't have it once again. The defense obviously stepped up again against a pretty middling Rutgers offense. Bad, some might say. And I don't know. I just thought that Georgia was the more impressive, has been the more impressive team week to week this season. And then they get a signature win and don't leapfrog at Ohio State. I'm not sure. I totally understand that.
1: I completely agree. I mean, you know, I'm. we, we both are pretty on record that we don't believe in this Ohio State team. And I don't see the real case of them being number one, especially because, like you said, their resume is now starting to look softer and softer over the passing weeks where um, you know Notre Dame loses at Clemson, like you mentioned. We'll see what happens with Penn State when they play Michigan this weekend. We're definitely going to talk about that game in just a few minutes. Uh, you go back, though, to how many teams can actually make it and you You mentioned eight, maybe nine, with Louisville also having a path. The thing is, though, when you zoom in even further... The Pac-12, only one of those teams are getting in, whether it's Washington mm-hmm. or Oregon. Uh, SEC, only one of those teams are getting in Georgia and Alabama. This is not You're not getting both in. The SEC isn't good enough to get both those teams in. Ohio State and Michigan, maybe you get both, but that's it top. So, like, I think we're starting to get down. Like, Big 12 is only Texas now. Mm-hmm. I, I think – Obviously, Florida State, I don't think Louisville would actually end up getting into the top four, in my opinion. I don't think the resume is there. So we're getting down to – I. you could start to piece together who's going to get in and kind of just like game theory out, all right, if this team wins, this happens, and so on and so forth. So to me, I'm a little bit – I think that this is going to be a little bit more routine. It's, it tends to figure itself out anyway, but I think it's going to be a little bit more routine as we head down the home stretch into who's actually – going to make the college football playoff and who uh, is going to compete for a national championship. Um, I agree with you though. I mean, I don't think it's something to go like crazy about with Ohio state no. being ranked one again, but I agree with you. I don't really see. I thought what transpired last weekend was enough to shake it up a bit, but maybe the, they didn't feel like there was a need to do that. Cause again, there's, it makes no difference what it was last week versus this week. It, it's really uh non consequential to anything. So Maybe they just didn't feel like making a change there. I didn't even listen to the comments. I I, I really don't like subscribe to the whole uh the T V special thing.
2: I don't either. Uh the one I did get one kick out of uh I was working during it last night, so I had to, you know, mm. stay around for the comments. And uh the one kick I did get out of, it was uh Tennessee moved up a couple spots and Joey Galloway had a real snide comment about oh, you know, they got a big win over UConn this past weekend. So, you know, they had to move them up two spots. So I enjoyed that part of it. But that's about it in terms of the TV product. But, no, I agree with you. I think we are – I think that what's interesting about this year's college football playoff is, you know, you talk about Ohio State-Michigan and how we've seen in years past, just last year, that Ohio State lost the game and then still got into the playoff. And we've seen that previously. Like the loser can still make it – of that game can still make it even as a non-conference champion, not even playing in the conference championship game. And I don't think we're in a scenario where that's gonna happen because I don't think we're looking at a team. I don't think we're gonna have a two-loss conference champion. Like we're gonna have more than one two loss conference champion, if any. And so like I think when you're in that scenario, you kind of lose the case of if you didn't play in your conference championship game, then you don't deserve to be here. Cause like Texas, if they win the Big 12 and win out they're a one-loss conference champion. Alabama, if they went out, they're a one-loss conference champion. And I think it's kind of goes back to what you said about you know the SEC with Georgia and Alabama. The league's not strong enough top to bottom to support a non-conference champion getting into the playoff.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think what's going to end up being the most intriguing debate and like a legitimate one at that is if Texas and Oregon run the table. Because you could pretty easily make a case that one of Michigan and Ohio state are going to run the table. So you have like undefeated big 10 champion. Mm -hmm. You have what's called undefeated Georgia. You have undefeated Florida state. Those three are auto in no matter what they're in with a bullet. So, okay. It's the fourth spot. You either have assuming chalk holds, you have undefeated Washington or one loss, Oregon Pac 12 champion. And then one loss, Texas where, now you're starting to compare though. Texas's loss to Oklahoma is getting weaker mm-hmm. by the passing week. And they're also what what did Oklahoma State come in at? Oklahoma State came at 15th. That's who they're probably gonna end up playing in the Big 12 championship. If that holds, I'd say that's a little yeah. bit more uh like volatile, that outcome. Yeah. All of a sudden definitely. Texas Texas beats Alabama. They have probably the crowning win, but all of a sudden that loss is starting to look worse. And I think you have an intriguing debate between Oregon and Texas. That's one where like That's a true spirited debate there if that's the situation that arises.
2: No, 100% because you go on the flip side of that, Texas has a better like resume in terms of the wins. Like the Big 12 top to bottom is better than some of like the like that the schedule that Texas has played is better than what Oregon has played this season. You think? I absolutely believe that. Absolutely. I think I think I mean, I would take Kansas State over half the teams in the Pac-12 this year. Hundred percent, and Texas just beat them with a backup quarterback. Granted, they almost lost it, but you know they just beat them with a backup quarterback. And like Greg McElroy was making this point last night on the show. Another going back to the TV, he said that Alabama and, or, and Texas have a case to be ranked ahead of Oregon right now because of the lack of strength of schedule that Oregon has played to this point.
1: I don't know about that. Oregon smoked Utah at Utah. That I, if but we're so I think, about the rankings, they're
2: ranked eighteenth. I understand that, but I think that you—that's their only team. That's their only win against a team above 500. Oklahoma 17th, though, and wa- and Oregon's loss was on a last uh, last minute scoring
1: drive at Washington, who's undefeated and ranked fifth and has a Heisman Trophy favorite. I don't know. I don't know about this one. And See, if I've, you think about I'm it, playing the yeah, that, I think like that's one where you're going to get a lot of strong opinions. Like to me everything else seems like it's going to fall into place, but if mm-hmm. that situate like if that uh permutation of the playoff where it's or one-loss Oregon and one-loss Texas, that's like a to me like a really really hot button debate where you're going to get a lot of interesting opinions on who should get in and if I mean listen, if Oregon's ahead right now which they are, they're sixth and Texas mm-hmm. is seventh you project out the rest of the schedule, Oregon throw USC out, but um, Oregon gets an Oregon state team that is ranked 12th in the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. And then they play what we assume is Washington in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Texas doesn't have those games anymore. Texas will have no opponent that even holds a candle to Oregon state and Washington. So if we're just gaming it out, Oregon, I think, has a leg up and has the inside track. Obviously, got to win out and
2: stuff. No, hundred percent. But I mean, I think it's to your point that we're already getting a little heated and a little hot debating it, Mm. and it hasn't even happened yet. And like, I think that's to your point. Like, it's a very interesting argument because I would still contend that you know Texas has a win over Alabama. And they would have a win over Oklahoma State and they would have a win over Kansas, who Kansas is trending like they're a top 20 team, I believe now in the current rankings. Yes. 16. So they have a win over Kansas handily. They beat they beat the absolute dog crap out of Kansas, Mm. too. And so like Texas has already piled up those wins. So it depends on what you value more. Like they're probably going to end up with very similar resumes when you get down, to it. you know. And so and like, you know, you talk about. I know the Oklahoma loss in terms of Oklahoma looks worse, but, I mean, that was also on a last-second play, also in a rivalry game at a neutral site. So, like, it's not, you know, getting blown out at home by an inferior opponent. Like, go back to Louisville and why you think they don't have a chance. Losing to Pitt, like, not really having a chance in that game, that's why they don't have a chance. That's a horrendous loss that you're not going to recover from. They don't – neither of these teams have that loss going against them. So, I think it's a really fun debate that I – I hope we get to be a part of, I hope it plays out like that. Cause I think that's, I think it's more fun when there's more divisiveness and it's not just, Oh yeah. These are clearly like, you know, say Washington went on and beat Oregon again and we just have four undefeated teams. That's yeah, not fun. That's there's not no fun. debate there. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's not fun. And then it's like, who's going to just lose to Georgia and Michigan uh, in
2: what order? Uh, <laughs> right.
1: But yeah. All right. So that was a good uh, little college football playoff update before we get to our week 11 betting update preview. Have you guys heard of Superdraft DFS Superdraft hosts daily fantasy prop games where you can compete for a chance to win cash prizes. The game is simple. For each contest you are given a pool of props for upcoming games. You pick whether it will be over or under the given total. You can choose up to 8 different props for a bigger win. If you want to join in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up with our promo code FAN FAN today and receive a deposit match up to twenty dollars you will also receive a free pick in your first game. think of it like a free square in a bingo or a free lag, a free leg in a parlay. Again use the code fan when signing up not only to get you these great rewards but also let you help out this fine podcast. this offer is only available to new customers who are 18 plus 19 plus in Alabama and 21 plus in Massachusetts and physically present in valid states. Please remember to always game responsibly. Check out the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, use the promo code fan and you help out the show and you get some uh, nice incentives to join super draft DFS. All right. Same thing as last week. I went four and two as I try to climb back to 500 Cody, three and three staying steady, hanging around. We got three weeks of regular season action and, I imagine we're going to do some sort of bowl bonanza oh, yeah. thing where we're going to pick a bunch of games. But we still got some work to do here. We're three weeks left. We have six six uh, topics. We're going to follow a similar type as uh, last week. We're going to talk about some of the bigger games on the board, upset picks, sicko's picks, of course. And we're going to start, though, with what's been working for
2: us. past two weeks, we both won on these. So our favorite total bet. Cody, where are you going for this one? I'm going to the Temple South Florida game, and I'm taking the over 67 in this. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about you, you more than me. Uh, Dil- the Dilfer Blazers and UAB uh, being just an over machine. Well, South Florida's kind of getting to that level. I think we may have mentioned that last week, but uh, last week against Memphis, you look at the total of the game going into it, 68 and a half. The game finished 59 to 50. Before <laughs> that was a weird game against UConn, but the week prior to that was against a- FAU. Total was at 60 and a half. Game finish 56, 14. Week before that, it was USF UAB. Total 68 and a half. Game finish 56 to 35. USF's just been an over machine, kind of in the same vein as UAB, because they play with the fastest pace in college football. They average, USF averages the most plays per game. And I'm pretty sure it's close to like by five plays per game. Like they're just running at a breakneck pace right now. But on top of that, their defense is not good. Uh, they rank outside of the top 90 in EPA per rush and EPA per dropback defensively. And they're going against this Temple team that has se- seen some better days, definitely. But they got EJ Warner back, Kurt Warner's kid. He's back in the fold. He came back last week after being injured and out a few weeks. And he makes this passing offense at least functional. And I think with the pace this game's played at, and then you look at Temple's defense, uh, Temple's defense is one of the worst in the country. They're outside of the top 125. Reminder, there are 133 team, FBS teams. They're outside of the top 125 in EPA per rush and EPA per dropback defensively. And when you look at the pace, Temple also plays at, a, I think, the 38th fastest pace in the country. I just don't see how this game doesn't end up like I have it going into the 80s, but if I get into the 70s, that's fine too. I just over 67. Yeah, no, I agree
1: with you. This, uh, this game should be a shootout. USF, like you said, the pace. Uh, really just, they're playing such a, uh, Alex Golish who comes from Josh yeah. Heupel's Tennessee offensive staff, uh, has like immediately implemented, uh, that type of scheme where they're going to play super fast, but also on the defensive side, they blitz a ton and it leaves them susceptible to like big plays on the backside. So, uh, EJ Warner could definitely cook. I mean, this is a temple team that I was super high on going into the year. Uh, yeah. I took their win total over. I clearly whiffed on that one. If they went out, I actually could hit, but I, I'm not counting on it. Uh, but EJ Warner got banged up also. Mm-hmm. The offense kind of sputtered early. But it looks like now that Warner's healthy, they are starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, one, I think it was like 32-18 against Navy last mm-hmm. week. So I, I like your overlook here. Uh, you mentioned the Dilfer Blazers, and where where else would I go? Favorite where total else? bet. It's obviously UAB Navy over 54. This thing is unbelievable. <laughs> every week, UAB overs. I don't under, it, mm-hmm. every week, it is an absolute cash cow. Uh, we're coming off a game where UAB beat FAU 45 to 42 uh, at home. So we're going to go to this again. And I know you're saying to yourself, oh, but Reed, like Service Academy, triple option, slowest tempo in college football. There's no way that there's going to be enough plays to get this over. Again, you're playing UAB. It's going over. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. They can't, they, it. It does not matter, especially when you have this type of matchup where it's going to be strength on weakness, and on the other side it's going to be that UAB strength against Navy's weakness. So let's start with the Navy side. Triple option. We know all they want to do is run. They want to push downhill. UAB, 131st in EPA per play. That is the third worst mark in the entire country. They are 130th in success rate. They are bottom five in defensive line yards. So defensive line yards is basically, are you being pushed backwards? Are you like getting the first, are you pushing the offensive line back or are you being pushed backwards? UAB is bottom five in that Navy. All they want to do is push the defensive line backwards. So (laughs) uh, I think Navy is going to be able to hit a bunch of explosive in this, in this game. Now, sorry about the other side. I mean, I've, Sung the good graces of Trent Dilfer and Alex Mortensen all season long. Jacob Zeno, I mean, last week was ridiculous. I think he passed like 430 yards. Top 35 in EPA per play. 31st in success rate. Offense going to cook. What does Navy struggle at? Defending the pass. Mm -hmm. 113th in EPA per pass allowed. We've seen them really struggle throughout the year against teams that can pass. You were just talking about Temple. E.J. Warner was able to cook in this game. You go back and you look for like specific instances of where Navy struggled. Sam Hartman cooked them in the oh, opener in uh, to 42 points. Memphis moved the ball at will, 28-24. USF, you're talking about fast-paced explosive offense, 44 points at Navy. So Navy, they're going to struggle to slow down this UAB passing game, but UAB is also going to struggle to slow down Navy's run game. Still for overs. Absolutely. yeah.
2: Blindly bet them in profit. That's it. A hundred percent. And like we've talked about, you know, and when we talked about the service Academy unders last week, you mentioned that, you know, Navy and Army are kind of, they're not abandoning the triple option. They're still triple option based by a large margin, but they are incorporating more passing things. So like, it's not just like entirely slow paced clock running the entire time. And with this total at 54 in a UAB game, that's just disrespectful to the Dilfer over it's unbelievable. I
1: mean listen <laughs> thank you. I, I've had a slow Yo, yes. the year, so I'll take the free. I'll take the free bets where I could get them. absolutely. Uh, after starting our week eleven uh, betting preview with a uh, two AAC games. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about one of the bigger games on the board. Uh, one of the biggest games of the season we're gonna to see. Mm-hmm. It's Michigan taking the trip to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. Michigan uh, money came in on Penn State this afternoon. Michigan now about a four point favorite total sitting at. 44 and a half yep 44 and a half, 45 if uh, at certain books depending on how you want to treat this game. Um, Cody, what are your thoughts on this one Michigan it's gonna be their first time playing a ranked foe this entire season so I think there's a lot of conversation around that like how good is Michigan really? Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State the one time that they played a rank opponent ranked opponent though they struggled quite a bit uh, the offense yes. didn't score until the final minute. The defense held up all right, but, again, we are just off
2: talking about how much Ohio State's offense has struggled. Uh, Cody, how do you see it? Uh, I'm taking Michigan minus four, man. I just – I understand that the Wolverines have not played anybody, and, that you know, the first time you're seeing, like, a quality, quality opponent, like a high-end quality opponent, it being on the road in a place like Happy Valley, that might scare some people. It does not scare me. I expect Drew Larr to actually play a little bit better – than he did in that Ohio State game. I think he kind of got deer in the headlights a little bit in that first ranked-on-ranked ranked matchup in the Big Ten and that first time for him to prove himself. And I expect him to play better, but I don't think it's actually gonna matter against this Michigan defense. And that's not necessarily because of their secondary, but I just don't think that the Penn State pass catchers have the juice, more or less. Like we've seen it time and time again. These guys are Jags, like more or less. Jag, maybe Jag mm. plus, but they're they're not. They are not separators. They are not game changers at the wide receiver position. You know, they brought in Dante Cephas from Kent State, hoping that he would be that guy, and he hasn't been. Uh, uh, Oh, God, I'm totally blanking on another guy's name. Lambert Smith. Thank you. Um, Harrison Walls is there, too. Yeah, and so like they just have these guys and they can't separate, and I think that's a big problem against Michigan because you look at this Michigan front, they ground out as a third best pass rush grade on PFF this season. And this uh Penn State offensive line, do they have Oli Fushanu who's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft? The like left or right, this isn't an offensive line that has consistently held up. We saw it in that Ohio State game, Drew Lar was under a lot of pressure. And this defensive front from Michigan is going to pass rush and get after Alar and force him into mistakes and force him into quick decisions. And when these receivers aren't separating, I just don't see how Penn State is going to score in this game. On the flip side of the ball, I think that when you look back at what Michigan's done this season, A, obviously they beat the absolute crap out of everyone they played when they played lesser competition. This Penn State defense is very good. I still have faith in them, even though, you know, their one test was against Ohio State, an offense that we don't think is that good. I still have a lot of faith in this Penn State defense. But I think Michigan's offense, top to bottom, is just that good. I think they have Roman Wilson on the outside to attack these corners that have underperformed a little bit this season. You know, Kay- Kaylen King came in as a potential top 10 pick in the 2024 draft, and his stock has dropped because he's kind of not had the season that we were hoping for. Chop Robinson may return for this game. We don't know. So that's like a big-time pass rusher that they don't have. And you look at this Ohio- uh, Michigan run game, I swear they've run like maybe five separate schemes in terms of the run game all season. Like they just like – it's like, all right, You're going to hit the A-gap. All right, you're going to hit the A-gap. And it's just the same thing over and over again, rinse and repeat. I think they have something left in the tank, and I think that specifically is going to be J.J. McCarthy using his legs a little bit more. I think that's kind of the difference maker in this game is McCarthy showing off his dynamic ability as a runner. And I think that Michigan just – it's not going to be a blowout. I actually kind of like the under in this game as well, but I think Michigan minus four is just too low of a number. Yeah, a lot of great points there. Um, I do wonder
1: about – Blake Corum off. The, I think we should talk about it on uh the show. But Blake Corum maybe after uh the knee surgery last year, maybe he's just okay. kind of lost a step a little bit, not as dynamic in my opinion. That being said, uh I think Michigan is going to work Penn State pretty good. I think Michigan wins by double digits pretty handily and yeah. uh yeah, I think uh Michigan might be sitting on a big performance here, maybe like one where everyone's like oh, maybe, like, they really are just that good. Like, that's, yeah. I think, what the narrative is going to be coming out of this game. Doing some work on this game. Um, I don't know how Penn State's going to score. Penn State, yeah. you know, you okay, so let's, like, set up a timeline here. Penn State looks like garbage on offense against Ohio State, right? Like, they can't move the ball. Drew Allers, like, 18 of 42. They don't score a touchdown until the end of the game. Okay, great. So, since then, they score 33 against Indiana and 51 against Maryland. Let's like now zoom into how they scored those Penn state struggled to move the ball against Indiana the entire game. They had less than five yards per play. They had a they had, a, they almost lost the game at one point with two <laughs> minutes left or however much Aller throws a pick Indiana plays for a field goal. They tie the game. Aller hits one of his very few deep or exposed creates an explosive play touchdown Penn state, then a safety which I'm well aware about because I bet the Penn State team total over in that game. And if they would have just picked the ball up for a touchdown, it would have hit, but it was a safety regardless. Mm. So mm. Penn State scores 33, but not as explosive as you think. Then they score 51 against Maryland. That game, like that scoreboard is not indicative of what happened in the game. They had 400 total yards of offense and they scored like 30 points in the fourth quarter when the game was over. So I don't think Penn State has solved their offensive issues and their lack of explosiveness When Drew Aller has taken deep down the field, about 30% of his throws have gone 10 or more yards down the field, including 47% of those. And we spoke about this when we were – was it the Ohio State game maybe where the the lack of explosive plays, if everything is going to be short of the sticks for Penn State, Michigan is going to load up the box and put more pressure on Aller. They're not going to respect them. They're going to trust their veteran secondary to limit those big plays if they're even coming. So – and I know we spoke about this with Clemson. When you don't have an explosive play threat and you can't generate those, put so much pressure on your team to sustain uh-huh. nine, ten play drives, get into a rhythm, stay ahead of schedule, again, especially against like what top five defense in the country at worst. Yeah. I just don't see where Penn State's scoring. Now let's look at the other side. Cause I think Penn State, they're obviously a very good defense, but I think they're worse than i had expected this season and and when i was like diving into this game their coverage grade looks really good they grade out according to pro football focus the 25th best coverage unit in the country i i looked a little bit deeper into that though and a lot of that is based on their ability to dominate the crappy opponents that they've played when they have played teams that are top half of the country in epa per passer, so not even like a high bar i'm saying just like passing games with a pulse that's four teams that is Ohio State, West Virginia, Indiana, and Maryland. Those four teams. Penn State has a coverage grade of 62 out of 100. That would be, if you extrapolated across the entire season, 125th in the country out of 133 FBS teams. So Penn State, they don't look as good when they're playing teams with a competent passing game. So we said Penn State can't score, and they can't – uh, generate long sustaining drives. We think that their secondary is overrated. So, can JJ McCarthy pick it apart? Oh, absolutely, Cody. Absolutely. Awesome. absolutely. I've said JJ McCarthy, I think he's the best quarterback in college football this year. He's number three in adjusted opponent adjusted EPA per play. Also, we're talking about like that vertical passing game. 37%
2: of JJ McCarthy's throws have been 10 yards or further. He's completing 66% of those. Yeah. And we were were fawning over Jalen Millroy completing 60% of those throws, and McCarthy's got a higher completion right there.
1: I I think Michigan is going to pull away early, sit on this one, and suffocate Penn State. I think they win by, like, two scores. I I think – I don't know how you're, like, lining up to bet Penn State here with the way their offense has proven that they can't move the ball. I guess you're saying, yeah, Michigan's overrated. They haven't played anybody, but they've won by an average margin of 31 points per game. I that's what I'm saying it's I think you could like if they struggle to win these games that's one thing but it's the manner in which they are destroying these teams that uh I think it actually will carry over into this game and I mean we're talking minus four here you really have to hope that Penn State's defense has uh you mentioned the injuries to chop Robinson um maybe he's back but I don't know I just don't see it you gotta think like Penn State could force a few turnovers or something if you think that they're going to cover
2: No, 100%. And, like, when I'm thinking about dominant teams, if they haven't played a tough strength of schedule like Michigan in in this instance, what you want them to do is absolutely dominate and, like, leave no doubt that they're far and away the better team. And that's all they've done. Like, they literally have not shown weakness. This Like, even the game against Bowling Green when J.J. McCarthy, for whatever reason, started pissing down his leg and throwing three interceptions for reasons I – it's still the wildest, like – Stat line I've seen all season was JJ McCarthy three picks against Bowling only Green only three interceptions but, on the year. Yeah, I know it's crazy like, It's like a a subpar Mac team. What a wild world we live in. But um, like I just don't see Penn State being able to score. I wrote in my notes and I behind the curtain I write some jokes to myself just to keep me in good spirits when I'm doing my notes. And I wrote this this line should be above a touchdown, and I'm I would still take it. Like, it sh- like the- I don't understand where this line is coming from unless it's just a complete distrust of Michigan, which I don't fall in that camp. I just don't.
1: Yeah. And if you want like, I'll move on a sec, but I think the sign stealing thing is starting to hit a point where we're losing rational thought. It's losing a lot of steam and mm-hmm. it's nothing more than a yeah. sideshow. I think the way Michigan's handling it isn't a distraction. It's right. like, it's like in the, it's like something else going on with the team. And I don't think based on how the team is operating and how this is starting to be covered, you're starting to see now like, Oh, well, like Penn state Rutgers and Ohio state were like sharing side, so, like they're opening Pandora's box. That was something that uh-huh. I've said this past week. And I know Dan Wetzel of Yahoo sports who did a good article kind of said like, yeah, big Ten is starting to like fumble this a little bit. And I think that they actually now are need to kind of nip this in the bud and push it off until the off season after J.J. McCarthy cooks this weekend and Michigan puts probably the most impressive win on this calendar year on the board. J.J. McCarthy Heisman, he's drifted out to like 16 to one at FanDuel for one. I I saw one reporter said like he has a vote and he's like just not voting for J.J. McCarthy. Okay, that's cool. But um, I think... McCarthy's Heisman campaign hasn't even started yet. He has the two biggest games left in the regular season across the entire country. If yep. Michigan is as good as we think, and McCarthy plays as well as I expect him to on Saturday, he will go back to being like probably the second choice, maybe third choice behind Knicks and Penix, assuming they win this weekend. Um, like in short order, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. He has the same odds as Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels has a better chance to win the Heisman as I do. Like he has zero chance. So, yeah. um, I think people are just caught up in the sign stealing story, and I actually think it's going to really start to go away. And uh, based on the reporting, it seems like the Big Ten's losing steam in this investigation. And I think Michigan's going to survive this uh, this bleep storm, and McCarthy's going to come out the other side, and he's still very live for the Heisman. Guys throwing eight fourth quarter passes this entire season. If, Mi- yeah. if Michigan runs the table, and I'd say if Washington loses a game, if Washington runs the table. Pen will probably win and rightfully so. But like if this becomes like a bone Nick's JJ McCarthy to be, that doesn't pass the smell test for me. Like right. a, a one loss Pac-12 with like really good stats against like against an undefeated, like Uber efficient quarterback on like the best team in the country. Just
2: don't know if that like really uh sits right with me. No, it definitely doesn't. And like going to the point about like, you know, the sign stealing stuff, I think. My, one of my hot takes that I'm formulating is that uh, I think we're going to drift towards, especially after this game, when I like we both agree that Michigan's going to win handily, I think after this game we're going to see the narrative kind of shift to, oh, did it actually matter that much? Because, like, there's no way they're stealing signs right now because, like, like <laughs> you the folks – yeah, yeah, you would hope. Um, <laughs> but, like, with, you know, all the focus being on them, there's no way they're doing it. And if they go out and they're still dominant and they're still doing this, like, I think the narrative's going to shift to where people just care less because it's like, oh, maybe Michigan's just that damn good.
1: Yeah, great stuff there. i Michigan Penn State and the Heisman Trophy.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, let's go. I, we mentioned the path 12 just now.
1: They have, or first let's get to sec, Georgia, Ole Miss, Georgia takes care of business against Missouri. I think Missouri put together a really strong effort kind of just ran out of gas. Yeah. uh Georgia wins doesn't cover and now welcome Ole Miss a team that shru- I-, I thought was going to just absolutely run away with the game against a block kick return for a touchdown for A&M ends up being a game Ole Miss is a game-winning touchdown drive Ole Miss goes uh between the hedges here night game catching 10 and a half total of 58 and a half Cody how do you see it
2: I'm taking the dogs in the 10 and a half I think Ole Miss is one of the biggest frauds in the country if I'm being completely honest with you um I understand, given the record, why this line is where it is, but this defense is not good. They rank 57th overall in defensive success rate this season, but when you look at the teams they played, that's not impressive, and the situations they played, I should say. They, they played Tulane's backup quarterback. They played Vanderbilt's backup quarterback. Vanderbilt's backup still... Uh, like they only put up seven in that game. And you look at that, no Vanderbilt's offense. Well, it was Vanderbilt's backup. AM's was playing with a backup of Max Johnson. And in the late stages of the game, after the block kick, he tore up this Ole Miss defense. And then they also uh, played Auburn as a general hole. And Auburn still put up more than 20 on this defense. I just don't have faith in anything other than the pass rush on this Ole Miss defense. And you look at this pass rush, Georgia might get a Marius Mims back for this game. And this Georgia offensive lines performed well enough. Like I think Missouri's offensive or defensive front is better than Ole Miss's and they handled them pretty comfortably and like ran, started running the ball well late in that game. And I think Georgia is able to combat the one thing Ole Miss does well defensively. And I think Georgia pretty much scores at will in this game. And then on the flip side of the ball, I understand that Georgia's defense is not what we've seen in years past, but I've also seen Lane Kiffin in these big moments and these big games against, Particularly a secondary is strong. I think Georgia's secondary is the strongest part of this defense. I think it's one of the best in the country. And I think when you look at this Ole Miss offense, I, by the one thing that would scare me would be Quinshawn Judkins in this game. But I do think that to keep up with Georgia, that Ole Miss is going to have to throw the ball quite a bit. And I think we've seen Lane Kiffin enough times to where the narrative I see for this game is the same we've seen in a lot of Lane Kiffin big game moments. At halftime, I think it's probably close, maybe within a touchdown, maybe three points, you know, either way. And then in the second half, Kirby and that Georgia defense adjust, and Lane Kiffin doesn't have the adjustments, doesn't have the answers, doesn't have the script to keep going with this. And Georgia just pulls away because I don't see Ole Miss stopping them in this game.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, the Ole Miss defense Nine out of to the top 90 in passing success rate. And uh I hold Carson back uh pretty high regard. I think uh he's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers might be available for this game. I, I don't really expect it, but you never know. Uh that being said, my bet is on the Georgia team total over 34 and a half. I won't belabor the point like you kind of mentioned, but I think that the offensive ceiling is really, really high for this Georgia team. And with all Miss's Pace, might give Georgia a few more possessions. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the one reason why I'm staying off the the spread here is I imagine there will be about three or four plays where Ole Miss will go for it on fourth down, or mm-hmm. they will take chances, and maybe they work. Like you just get like Lane's going to just gamble, and maybe it'll work for him. Maybe it won't, and it turns into a blowout. So I'm a little wary of the spread in case Ole Miss runs hot on fourth down and they turn. Maybe what would be three points for your conventional football team into six points for your Ole Misses of the world. So I expect a hyper aggressive game plan. I think uh, Ole Miss is going to try and go for the win. Yeah, as opposed to like trying to just hang. Like I think Missouri they tried to win. I think other teams when they play they have played Georgia in the past. They like kind of want to just like compete. Like like yeah. Rutgers against Ohio State. Rutgers wasn't competing for the win. Rutgers no. was competing to like hang around and like like. Put up a good scoreline and ended up backfiring. They ended up not even covering a big spread. But like Ole Miss to me is going to try and go for the win against mm-hmm. Georgia. I don't think it's going to work. I think Georgia maybe gets a few extra possessions. They definitely score more. So, you know, I need 35 from Georgia. I think they could do that. I think they could push it to the 40s here against, uh, like you mentioned, Ole Miss's defense. That's uh, fairly overrated. I just. I think the pace and the fourth down decision making make me a little bit more wary of the spread than the uh, team total. So a little bit of pivot for me, but like I I agree with like a lot of what you said.
2: No, 100 percent. And, you know, why I'm a little more confident in the spread is Georgia's defense, you know, on a down to down basis is not the unit that we've seen the past two years specifically, especially in terms of the defensive front, but. You look at these linebackers, and I understand Dumas Johnson's out for this game after I believe it was a forearm fracture that he suffered, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, they, I mean, it's Georgia. They have another five-star, I'm sure, that's coming in right behind them. But Smell Mundin and these guys, they, they're so hyper-aggressive with their linebackers in those aggressive situations from the offense. We saw it in the Florida game. You know, Florida was trying I respect Billy Napier for playing for the win early in that game. It backfired horribly and Georgia pulled away big time and you know ended up winning by 23, even with Florida getting a late score in there. And I think we're I think we're in a situation where we could see that again because even if Ole Miss, you know, early on does is able to, you know, keep sustain drives, keep things going on fourth down with an aggressive mentality. I don't think this, I think this Georgia defense is still talented enough that you're not going to end with a positive success rate trying to do that against this team. I agree. Now let's talk about some
1: Pac-12 football. Yeah. Uh, like last week, plenty of big games here, but like they're, I, I think they're starting to lose a little bit of their luster, but I mean, we have a handful um, on the card. I mean, we have upstart Arizona traveling to Colorado to face uh, the spiraling Deion Sanders, Buffalo's uh, Washington, Utah battle top 15 teams. Obviously you have Washington seemingly back on track after a few close calls. Uh, USC fires Alex Grinch. They're going to travel to Austin Stadium to face that wagon, Oregon, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, UCLA might have some quarterback issues here with injuries. They host Arizona State. Oregon State's a big favorite against uh, Stanford. So a lot of intriguing games. So we're just going to go Pac-12.
2: Open open board here. You can take whoever you want. Cody, what is your favorite Pac-12 bet? Uh, I'm going to that USC-Oregon game in Austin Stadium, and I'm taking the under 73-and-a-half. Uh, full disclosure, I really wanted to take USC plus 15 in this game. Um, I think that this defense is going to bounce back in a post-Alex post, post Alex Grinch world. Because when you look at Alex Grinch, the one thing that seemed to always be the problem with his defense is, is the scheme was just too complicated. And that these players, especially when you're filling out these – at USC, when you're filling out these players to the transfer portal, like – You forget fundamentals like tackling, like a high missed tackle rate and things of that nature. I think that they play more of a C-ball, hit ball type, like simplified defense in this. And I think that helps them. I don't think they're going to stop Oregon a lot, to be very, very clear about that. But when you look at these two teams, both of these offenses, this actually shocked me when I found it. They rank outside of the top 60 in terms of plays per game. They actually run at a relatively low pace, both of them. Like mm-hmm. I expected Oregon to run at a little bit faster pace than that. I knew USC had kind of slowed it down. But then on top of that, Oregon's defense has been phenomenal this season. But the one area we've seen them sometimes be susceptible is against the run. And USC's rushing offense has been incredibly good this year. They actually ranked second in EPA per rush this season. And I don't know, I haven't I looked for updates, couldn't find anything on if Marshawn Moyd, who was out against Washington last week, is gonna play. It didn't matter. They still ran the ball decently well against Washington, which is obviously a worse defense. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think that when you have uh, USC realizing with Lincoln Riley that running the ball and move, and the, keeping the clock running in that capacity is going to be the best way to move the ball and control the pace and limit the possessions for Oregon, I think we just see a game that just doesn't have enough possessions to get to 73-and-a-half. And then you throw in the talent of Oregon's defense that's probably going to end some drives with – you know, shutting down the passing game a little bit for USC. And then the defensive bump I'm expecting with Alex Grinch being gone from this USC defense, I just think this total is just a little too high for me.
1: I kind of like the over. I, I can't take mm. a USC under. I I, I can't. Uh, I, get play, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I, I told you I, I got through my shot collar and I took USC with the points last week and I, I just can't do it anymore. I, I can't. I, <laughs> Last year all I could do is fade them and I lost a, I eventually got even with them when it mattered most but I lost a bunch and then this year I start playing on them because I feel like it's like rock bottom and like Caleb Williams is you know this fantastic player and uh just came back to bite me. I, yep. I and mean, the turnover mon- the tur- the turnover regression has hit this team incredibly hard so uh yeah, tough to really trust uh anything with USC right now. My bet Another team that's like kind of spiraling here is Colorado. I mean, I think they're under fifty-five against Arizona. Arizona since making the move to Noah Fafita, which has been like has paid like incredible returns for them. Oh yeah, hang with Washington. Should have beat USC. They beat Oregon State. They beat Arizona, or they beat UCLA. Sorry, he plays for Arizona. Beat UCLA. (laughs) Uh, Really great, but they're not pumping the ball down the field very much. Fafita not putting the ball in harm's way. Only uh, his less than 10 big time throws so far this season. So it's not like an aggressive, explosive offense. Arizona has been a lot more methodical than you'd think, like especially with Jaden Delora. So there's been a a real change in identity for Arizona. How about their defense? Top five in rushing success rate allowed. Um, Top 35 in total sacks. Uh, They're lights out against the run. Taking on a Colorado team that they – demote Sean Lewis, who was running this like really fast up-tempo, exciting scheme. They go to Pat Shermer, former NFL coach. And I know they were playing a pretty stout defense in Oregon state, but you just saw the philosophical change. Shadur Sanders only ran 30 or he only uh, had 39 pass attempts. I think they're starting to think, I think Dion starting to maybe think like, let's try and keep Shadir out of harm's way. He's taken more sacks than any other quarterback in the country so far this year. So I think this Colorado team, they're not going as fast anymore. They're trying to do an identity change on the fly to keep Shadur a little healthier. It's a little, like, hypoth- uh, I mean, that's a, kind of my hypothesis on this. Not to mention, though, just Colorado as a whole, outside of the top 100, net yards per play. So this offense isn't as high-flying as we thought, and now they're playing another really stout defense. I think they're going to struggle to move the ball on the other side Arizona, just again, they're not as explosive as you would think when Jaden DeLore was under center and how they performed maybe over the last like year and a half plus. This is a different offense with Nova Fita taking over. They're hyper efficient. They're top five mm-hmm. in success rate, but they're out to the top one hundred in explosive rush and pass rate. So I think that this might be a slower paced game. I think Arizona shuts it down. I I think Arizona wins and covers because Colorado's in a bad way right now, but like more in the neighborhood of like. Similar to what last week's score was against Oregon State, kind of, where Oregon State kind of went ahead and sat on it, and it was 26-19. Like, I could see a scoreline where Arizona's in, like, the mid-high 20s and Colorado, like, gets, like, two touchdowns, tops. And uh, yeah. Arizona kind of takes a lower-scoring game uh, with them with the win.
2: No, 100%. I actually – I would be terrified to take Arizona covering in this game. And the really? reason is – I kind of like Arizona cover. So, I mean, if I was going to – let me be clear. I'm terrified of a side in this game. I don't want to take a side in this game. You have the right play in this game because when I look – going back to what you said about the offensive coordinator switch and going back to – going to Pat Shermer calling the plays, I think it is, A, what you said, trying to protect Shador a little bit, but I also think it's Dion and – Initially, I was very confused because Sean Lewis is a great offensive mind. And, like, I was like, why are you demoting your best assistant coach? You know, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But when I look a little bit deeper at it, I believe, and I look at the last week's game against Oregon State, I think it's a play to try and allow more variance in limited possessions. They're playing at a much slower pace now, they're limiting possessions. And if they can create a turnover, that puts them, if they're limiting possessions and not playing at this breakneck breakneck pace that they were under Sean Lewis, then that potentially gets them within this. And so, and that also makes them really liable to backdoor cover, cover like they did against Oregon State last week. And so like, that's why I'm terrified of either side because I think this pace, the pace that they're playing under with Shermer, I think is devised basically to play to cover and potentially if you get some lucky bounces to be in the game to win a game that you really otherwise wouldn't have a chance in, especially if you were still playing at that fast pace. Yeah, Colorado, uh,
1: 58 offensive plays. Last week, mm-hmm. uh, only 4.1 yards per play uh, against Oregon State. They lose 26-19. Uh, let's do some upset picks. Uh, yes. Last week, we both took ours home. BC, for me, smaller underdog, and then you hit uh, the Bedlam. The Bedlam coach. Right? Oklahoma State winning outright, like plus 195. Awesome bet from Cody. Uh, how are you going to
2: follow it up this week? So I'm getting less aggressive this week, but uh, you're, you're gonna try to sit on the win. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it's not that; it's that uh, there are a lot of big spreads this week. I don't know if you thought had the same thing when had the same thought when you were looking around, or teams that you just don't think really have a chance if they're within like a manageable number. But I'm going with Nebraska plus two and a half at home against Maryland. Uh, Maryland might be a quit watch, man. Uh, they yeah, maybe this,
1: that, that Penn State game I was telling you about I was about earlier. That fourth yeah. quarter was rough.
2: Yeah, and it's—I mean—that was just a continuation of what's been happening for the Terps, though. Uh, so they were tied with Ohio State at halftime. Since halftime of the Ohio State game, here's what uh, Maryland has done: they lost the second half to Ohio State, twenty-seven to seven. Then they lost to Illinois at home. Then they lost to Northwestern and gave up thirty-three points to the Northwestern Wildcats on the road. And then they got shellacked by Penn State. We talked about the Penn State game, and that 51 points is a little misleading. But they just have looked lifeless. They looked on both sides of the ball. This defense is pretty middling. Like, they're average, slightly above average maybe when you look at the numbers. And, yes, Nebraska lost to Michigan State last week. That's the Big Ten West for you. Anyone in the Big Ten West can lose in any week. But Nebraska is – the best defense that Iowa, or not Iowa, God, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, teaser right there. Nebraska is one of the best defenses outside of Penn State that Maryland has seen over that stretch, I would say. And then on top of that, you look at this Nebraska offense, and obviously we've talked about Heinrich Harburg. They're basically running the triple option. I think that's going to limit possessions and going to put a Maryland team that I don't think is motivated to – do much of anything right now. Like I said, quit watch. I think that it's just going to limit the possessions and keep this game close. And I think Nebraska just cares more. They're fighting for ball eligibility. This win could get them ball eligible. It's at home. It's in Lincoln. I don't see this Maryland team caring enough to cover as a road favorite in this spot.
1: I agree. And it's like, I was thinking Michigan state missed my card last week, but I, I, Mission State is a home dog, and like Nebraska, why was Nebraska a road favorite in that game? I that did, that didn't yeah. pass the smell test to me. But it's the same kind of concept here: these middle to bad, I and mean, they're all bad. But this like middle yeah. of the pack Big Ten. Why are certain teams laying points on the road against a what seems to be at least a competent Nebraska team? I'm not gonna say they're any good, but at least they're they seem yeah. to have like their ducks in a row. At least
2: they're playing hard. They're just lacking and talent. They're. Yeah,
1: they're just lacking talent. Maryland's yeah, the opposite. They have plenty of talent. They're just not playing hard.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm in that spot, especially in Lincoln, which I mean, you know, say what you will about what Nebraska has been. Lincoln is a a tough place to play on the road. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. You're not doing anything. And all you have is just a bunch of Nebraska fans yelling at you. Like, it's not a fun place to play. And you know what?
1: Like, say what you want. Maybe this is me like subscribing to the narrative too much. But all these like Matt Rule social clips of him, like giving like inspiring speeches and stuff like it seems like them qualifying for a bowl would be like a really real, I mean, yes. first of all, it a hundred percent is, I'm not taking anything away from them, but it seems like Matt rule has this team bought into where, Hey, let's like make a bowl this year. And like, you know, we could take that momentum with us into year two of the Matt rule era. So I
2: completely agree with you here. Yeah. And I mean, you look at, especially with how they started, because they started the season. Oh, and two getting blown yep. out by Colorado. And yeah. we look at Colorado now and that loss looks way worse than it did, even at the time. And yeah. like, for them to get to this point where this win would give them bowl eligibility. Like that's a real galvanizing thing. And I mean, let's be honest, I was inspired by some of the Matt rule clips I've seen, like yeah, you know, I, right, I'm outside, ball- go outside and I hit the, hit the bag. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've got the sled out there. We'll get going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: my upset pick. Uh, I, I love this team and I'm just going to keep riding them until the well dries up. Give me New Mexico state plus four and a half against Western Kentucky. Uh, yeah. This New Mexico State offense with Diego Pavia in his second year as a starter has really, really taking off. They're top 15 in EPA per rush, I and mean, this team is humming on offense. I mean, showing up in the results. They, you know, they beat Middle Tennessee as a small home favorite. They win at Louisiana Tech as a dog. They smoke UTEP on the road. They beat Sam Houston State. They beat FIU. That's five wins in a row, all in conference play. They win this one. They're likely in the Conference USA title game. I think that's enough motivation against a Western Kentucky team that is trending in the complete opposite direction. Uh, Just mentioned how good this New Mexico state run game is Uh, Diego Pavia, the quarterback, he does a lot of running Monty uh, Watkins, Jones, Western Kentucky, 114th in EPA per rush on defense. So really the weak point of this Western Kentucky defense is against the run. I think New Mexico state can run all over this team. And I know Austin Reed last year's, uh, National leader in terms of passing yards. Anybody seen what Austin Reed's been doing the last few weeks and how this Western Kentucky team has performed? Uh, they, first of all, they're struggling in all second half. So even if New Mexico State is trailing early. West Kentucky's falling apart in the second half. But they nearly blow a four touchdown lead to Louisiana Tech. They blow a lead to Jacksonville State and lose that one. They got smoked by Liberty and then they beat UTEP on the road. But so they went 21-13. One of the ugliest games of the year. I like don't even know what happened in this game, but no scoring until the middle of the second quarter. Western was down three-nothing at halftime. Uh, you know, they were outgained on a yards per play basis. I just I think that this Washington jockey team might be running out of gas. There's been a lot of turnover in terms of the coaching staff over the last several years. I think that this team might be worse than we were led to believe as we get more and more data on them. This New Mexico State team the complete opposite. I think that they are trending up with that run game. So yeah, I like New Mexico State to win this one outright. Definitely cover.
2: No, hundred percent. I, I love this pick as well. Um, I want it to be a little different. You got your picks in first, but I had this one circled <laughs> as well. Um, and you can't you can't underestimate the new Mexico New Mexico State vibes. Uh, with that win last week, they're now bowl eligible for in back to back years. Do you know when the last time that happened was for New Mexico could State? not tell you. could not tell you <laughs> 1959 and 1960. It's been 60 years. So, like, that's – I mean, the vibes could not be higher for Jerry Kill's team right now. But on top of that, like, when I look at this Western Kentucky team, people are still looking at, you know, what Austin Reed was last year, what this Western Kentucky offense has been at times. And the thing that you forget is, especially at the group of five level, but really any level of college football, but – particularly a group of five, it is hard to sustain that no matter how good your system is. Even if you have a proven quarterback, the weapons start to diminish. You know, one guy gets hurt, then things start to fall apart. It's just really hard to sustain that. And this is not the same Western Kentucky offense that we've seen, and the defense is even worse. So, like, I I love this play. It's not your father's Western Kentucky offense. Uh, That's right. (laughs) uh, Let's do our sickos pick before we get out of here.
1: You you teased it before, but uh, this this is pretty sick, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an Iowa football game, so of course it's sick. Uh, yeah. Iowa team total under 14 and a half against Rutgers. Uh, Read trivia question for you Who's the offensive coordinator in Iowa for the rest of the season? I actually have no idea. I completely it's, like unsubscribed from it uh, after they fired Ferenc. Oh, he's finishing out the year. It is still Brian Ferenc. Oh, it's still. So, it, <laughs> so why'd, why'd they put that uh, press release out there? No idea. But now you have the worst offensive coordinator in America. Coaching as a lame duck, and we've seen it over the past two weeks. Against Minnesota, they scored 10 points. And last week in the win against Northwestern, they scored 10 points. Rutgers grades out as a better defense than both of them. We have seen nothing from the 131st-ranked success rate offense this entire season. They can't run the ball, and they can't pass the ball with any kind of uh, consistency on this Iowa offense. Rutgers does struggle a bit against the run, but they are still better than Minnesota and Northwestern in terms of success rate against the rush. I think and then their pass defense has actually been really, really good this year, Rutgers. And I don't like I think that could lead to turnovers. I just don't see a world where against a competent defense, perhaps any defense, if I'm being really honest at this point, where Iowa scores more than two touchdowns. I understand with Iowa the big fears always pick six or something ugly, because it is Rutgers and their offense has been a little hit or miss, and this Iowa defense is still very good. I honestly don't care. I just do. I do not see this team. I think this is another slugfest. The game total is at 28 in some books. Yeah. Yeah. 20 control, freaking eight. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they put it at 29 and a half last week and they scored the, the game into 10 7. So they have to keep pushing it down. And 14 and a half is, I don't understand where that number is coming from. And I'm, I'm, if I'm getting the hook over two touchdowns, I'm taking it every single time. Just crazy there it's
1: literally like uh like stone Age football it's it's just out of control. it's like uh when the last time New Mexico State made a bowl game uh, the, back,
2: <laughs> yeah, year, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, my sickles pick I, I I this is the first week all year where I like I saw the opening odds and like I felt like it was like it, we're starting to get like good here. we're like yeah, the market's starting to like take shape and I'm like, okay, like there's there's less to fire here you know I'm like I, I'm a high volume. Uh, type of yes. better so not as sick but pretty random and I want to give some love to this team anyway but Texas State minus one against Coastal Carolina I don't think Grayson McCall is gonna play he had a really serious injury a few weeks ago the concussion yeah. he got stretchered off it was super serious I know Coastal Carolina has like two wins now without him but they beat Marshall who quit and they beat Old Dominion who's pretty bad anyway one of the uh, bottom half of the Sun Belt team's this Texas State team has been really good all year. The offense has been electric with GJ Kinney, their top 20 in explosive play rate and the defense. Mm-hmm. Top 30 in uh, tackles for loss this season. super aggressive. The coastal Carolina offensive line really struggling all year to get any sort of push. Uh, questionable play calls from first year coach Tim Beck. I think like this is where there's a little bit of a correction for Jared Guess and we see that drop off from McCall to guess. So I like Texas state here. I think you're getting the better team to simply win the game. I don't put much uh, into the coastal Carolina uh, on the light blue turf, the Smurf turf, or (laughs) what is it like a baby blue Smurf turf? Um, I I think Texas state's good here and they just simply win the game. So I'll take them as my sickos pick. Not that sick, but uh, you know, I I think that we'll do what we have to do. I think it's on like ESPN plus and whatever. So, uh, you know, you have to go hunting for this one. That's probably a baseline for the sickos pick.
2: Oh, yeah. We've, uh, we've got the streaming options because I'm pretty sure Iowa is on uh, Peacock. So, yeah, it's the streaming sickos pick this week. Um, but, you know, I'm 100% with you. Texas State's just the better team, especially without Grayson McCall. Um, uh, a lot of my North Carolina friends will tell you that Tim Beck was a bad hire at Coastal Carolina. Uh, the NC State offense has uh, frustrated many uh, NC State fan over the years and, That's Tim Beck's fault. So I agree. uh, Yeah, and I mean, even with Grayson McCall, this was a much lesser Coastal Carolina team, and then I think the drop off from McCall is pretty substantial. And so, and with the way Texas State has been playing and been scoring, I just think I getting one basically a pick them. Like I think you're definitely on the right side here. Yeah, it's. I think this is where
1: you see that drop off. You had two bad opponents that don't really expose that and now you're getting a pretty formidable texas state team that's clearly on the rise so i uh i took the points there but yeah great show right at an hour trying to keep this uh short and sweet as possible cody you want to recap your
2: picks and we'll get out of here yes sir let's do it so favorite total i have temple usf over 67 uh michigan penn state game give me michigan minus four georgia old miss georgia minus 10 and a half i like the dogs to cover that uh, Pac-12, I'm going to USC, Oregon, under 73-and-a-half. Just hold your nose and pray for a little bit of defensive life with Alex Grinch gone. Upset pick, give me Nebraska at home against Maryland. Uh, it's plus two and a half, plus 110 on the money line. And then Sickos, Iowa team total under 14-and-a-half. You can go ahead and see if you can cash that now because that's going. I under. love it. I love it. All right, for me, I took obviously the UAB Navy over
1: 54. Shout out Trent Dilfer. I took Michigan minus four against Penn State. Took Georgia team total over 34 and a half against Ole Miss. Arizona, Colorado under 55. New Mexico State plus four and a half against Western Kentucky. I think they're going to win outright. And then my sickest pick is Texas State minus one against Coastal Carolina. Cody, great show as always. For those still listening, make sure you check out that Super Draft DFS promo. Use the promo code Fan. You will get a deposit match up to $20 and a free pick in your first game it's like a free spot on the bingo card so until next wednesday we'll see you then we'll probably get more upset about some college football playoff rankings and uh, hopefully we have a winning week talk to you next wednesday
0: save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app